This is SMQB's episode 21. We're all grown up and can go out for a beer now. A lot of stuff we talked about today on the pod. There was just a lot of stuff. Uh, NBA awards, uh, NHL, NBA playoffs, what it means to be the MVP of a team. Uh, We talked a lot about um, Major League Baseball and the ban on foreign substances. And then we poured one out for Jim Fossil. Uh, I'm sure there's some other stuff on there because the guys just couldn't stop talking tonight. It was it was craziness. So enjoy it, have fun, check it out, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. From the people, climb up on the bullet, hanging from the people on the people. My head's a roof, dancing on the ceiling on the people. I got people on the dancing on the people. I got people. SMQB's episode 21, the boys can start drinking now. But Rooster, I have a question for you before we start. Who will start a plurality of games at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles? Will it be Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, or one Nick Mullins? None of the above. Oh, wonderful pickup. Is that the guy that played for St. John's? Different Mullins. Yeah, I don't know. He, uh, what, Toby, do you know what round he was drafted in? I assume none. None of them. That would be the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) They got him off the ground screw. Yeah. Yeah. He got, he got picked up after the 49ers last few years. Yeah. When you say, when you say on, what do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. How bad is that? You're, you're after Mr. Irrelevant. I was going to say, you're, or you're playing behind C.J. Beathard, right, on the depth C.J. chart. C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins, <laughs> heart of the 49ers. I think, I think it's the NBA playoffs. Isn't there something there else to talk about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what about uh, Rooster? Talk to us about some NBA awards. Well, the NBA announced a whole slew of awards, um, starting with – most improved player, Julius Randle. I don't think that was at all controversial. The guy worked his ass off and became a, I would say a star regular season player. He did not play to a star level in the playoffs, but I'm hoping he works hard and gets there next year. So next year he can be most improved playoff player. Is that, is that an mm-hmm. award? No, no, no. Next year he could be a star all year and in the playoffs. <laughs> He's still pretty young, right, Rooster? I mean, yeah, I think he's in his late twenties. Yeah. Um, Coach of the year, sticking with the Knicks theme, was Tom Thibodeau. So Tibbs, you know, took this team from from the grave, basically hadn't been in the playoffs since 2013 to the playoffs. Um, You know, they didn't do 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 great against the Hawks, but as we see in the in the uh, Sixers series, when the Hawks are healthy, they're a pretty good team. you know, he got there by introducing defense back to the East, which is a, was sorely missing for a long time and team, team passing. Um, that one was a little controversial. People thought maybe Monty Williams should have taken the award. Um, but look at the team Monty Williams had compared to the team Tibbs had. I mean, Monty Williams has two superstars in my opinion, uh, CP three and Devin Booker and an up and comer in, in Deandre Ayton. And uh, this guy, Michael Bridges, is playing pretty well, too. So Tibbs had less to work with. Tibbs had less to work with and actually had a better record than the Hawks during the regular season. Was it close, Rooster? 
I think it was. I think he just edged him out, and there were a lot of people thinking it should have been a co-winner type of a situation. Oh, that's so yeah. lame. Yeah. Guess your sister. Yeah, yeah that's lame. Um, defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, edged out um, Ben Simmons and Draymond Green. Again? Uh, I kind of feel like they just put his name on that award at the beginning of the season and give it to him by default. Um, I think he's back to playing really good defense in the playoffs, but there was a point in the end, end of the year where he just couldn't be on the court against certain teams. We talked about that. I don't think he's as great as he's cracked up to be. Um, what do you guys think about that? Well, I, I confess I'm a little toe biased here, but I will say that if you watch Ben Simmons against any star player on any team. We talked about it earlier this year. One of the very few people in all the league to shut down Luca was Ben. He has turned Trey young into an ordinary player in these playoffs. When you give him a shutdown defensive assignment, he meets it. I think Gobert. obviously he has the size and the blocks and he's a rim protector, but I think you're a hundred percent right. You know, he's perennial. And so when the season started, it's go bears to lose. And that's, that's a little unfair. I, I think it definitely has motivated Ben Simmons. I'll tell you that much. Well, I think Draymond Green's defensive game is better now than it used to be too, because his offense has slipped, but he's, he, he had a legitimate uh, stake. I think Draymond, I think Draymond's anger management issues get in the way of him getting a legitimate shot at defensive player of the year. He loses his cool. He gets a bunch of texts. And I think that actually takes away sometimes from, from his legitimacy because he is a great, great defender, great defender. And then the MVP is another one that can be debated. I think, um, excellent story, you know, Jokic, the, the Serb first center in many, many, many years to win. MVP. Um, but I would have given it to Embiid. That's the, if I had the vote, I would have given it to Embiid. I, it was close, but um, the the Sixers with Embiid are way better than the Nuggets with Jokic, in my opinion. I think the I think that Jokic um, they have a winning record with Jamal Murray out, and Jamal Murray is a star, um, and without. Embiid, um, the Sixers are under 500. And Jokic is a very, very good player. He's a he's a very good passer, shooter, um, and he deserves to be in the final vote. But Embiid, in my opinion, is unstoppable. And again, I think this is fueling him big time in the playoffs, big, big time. And I think a a, a, a measurement that you should look at for an MVP. And we'll talk about this in a second, but in, particularly in basketball is the plus minus. What happens to the team when the player is on the floor versus not on the floor? And the Sixers are like a, some ridiculous number, like point, like plus 30 or plus 33 when Embiid's on the floor and minus when he's off. By the way, Embiid is an all-time career leader in right now in playoffs points scored per minute. He's the first player in NBA history to score a point for every minute he's on the floor. So that kind of tells you, uh, you know, beating everybody, you know, who, 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 if anyone can guard him, who guards him effectively? I haven't seen anyone. I have not seen anybody. I mean, I really, you know, I, I cannot say that there is, 
it's not been Gobert, it's not been Giannis, it's not been Adebayo when the Heat had him, it's not been AD, it's not been Drummond. There's a whole bunch of people that have been thrown at him. I have not seen anybody who can shut down Embiid, and I have not even seen double teams that can shut him down. Now, Jokic is guardable, but his passing is so incredibly good that it defeats the whole point of doubling him. Um, so it, that's why I think it was close. I would have given the edge to Embiid, but I'm not upset that Jokic got it. Uh, was the he, rest the, of, was he the, 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 like the highest or lowest, I guess, however you want to say it, um, drafted player to ever win the MVP? Is that, isn't there some stat Lowest like that? drafted player ever, at I think, at number 41. 41, right. yeah. He was drafted number 41. He's a big, fat, slow lumbering guy that no one thought was going to be anything other than a, a bench player and super young still. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask quiz you on some of these other ones. Anybody know who won the sportsmanship of the year award? Mm, my favorite <laughs> <laughs> special trophy for special trophy. Drew holiday. Drew, oh, holiday. Drew holiday. Yeah. Okay. Here's another funny one to me. <laughs> Teammate of the year. We got that. Milk? Teammate. Is, what year. is teammate? What does that even mean? <laughs> teammate he's, of the year. There's he's no I in team. He's a I swell mean, guy. Is that the six teammates. man award? <laughs> this is, this is no, something no, that's other going than up. Six yeah, man? yeah, yeah. Does that mean he what? like waves a towel like when they it, right. it, it, teammate? I'll give you a hint. It's ironic because he's probably going to be playing for the Knicks next year. Well, you think everybody's oh. playing for the Knicks now. Right. Yeah. There's so many to choose from at this point. Right. Yeah. Luca. Everybody's yeah. like, he'll be on the Knicks next The season. Knicks are going to have to have a 35-man roster right. next oh, year. Oh, I guess that's I guess that's Kawhi, right? Dame Lillard, teammate of oh, the year. I'll see you later, fellas. Teammate I'm going to New York. Year. <laughs> teammate of the year, and I'm out of here. Wow. Yeah. That? Wow. All right. And then the sixth man. Someone's got to get this. Um. It was, um, I feel like it was somebody on the Suns or the Mavs or somebody. Um, Definitely not the Mavs. It, it was out West. You're not. It was out West. You're correct that it's out West. It's not the Suns or the Mavs. Oh, God. Uh, no, I, who was it? Clarkson on the Jazz. Oh, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He gets he, off the bench. He averages over three, three pointers a game. He's like Mr. Instant Offense. And he, he helped them out a lot when um, uh, Mitchell was hurt. He, he was really pretty good. So anyway, those are the awards. Uh, so well deserved. Nobody house on the Sixers got an award. This is why I hate awards. Right. So uh, they're the best team maybe in the NBA, and nobody got an award. You know, I look. I I really don't know how much there is to the whole bulletin board thing in sports, but Tobias Harris was left off the all-star team. He took a front to it. It had a great second half and has played unbelievable in the playoffs. Ben Simmons has been an incredible defender in the playoffs. And I think there's an argument to be made for Joel Embiid being the MVP of the playoffs so far. So I think those guys are offended. Doc Rivers, their coach thought that, you know, both of them got slighted in coming second, but you know, awards are awards. And you know, I think Go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. I, go ahead. I, I want to come back to something that I'll I, say. I think Simmons gets – there's a bias against Simmons because he plays a position where he's expected to be a shooter. 
Right. Yeah. That was fair. But but it's defensive player of the of the year, and it shouldn't that shouldn't be the case. So um, you don't have to cry about. You don't it, have to get all upset Stop. about it. I mean, I know you want, you want it to be <laughs> to win. A beer in my eye. A beer in my eye. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Jeez. Uh, wow. Oh God. But, you know, Ryan, you now know, wait till my update. <laughs> House, you, you said something though about about you know Embiid being the MVP of the playoffs, and and you talked about the points you know per minute in the playoffs that Embiid's averaging. But that doesn't have anything to do with the MVP voting because it's in the playoffs. Well, let's talk about that because I'm really interested to get your guys' feedback, not just NBA, but what does the MVP award mean in sports? Because I think across the board, that's this is really when we find out who is a most valuable player to a team is in the playoffs. I mean, Embiid in the time that he was out uh the Sixers really really suffered when he was injured uh with a slightly torn meniscus um I just think that you know I looked at the past at uh, the awards in both 2020 and 2018 in 2020 Giannis although he had a double double average beat out LeBron who would go on to win the uh, the finals and the finals MVP. Uh, after a number of years of coming in second and being overlooked, James Harden won in 2018, beating out LeBron. Similar story. Um, probably the Harden's best year, which he should have gotten the MVP in 2017. Russell Westbrook, it was hard to deny him because for the season, for a season, he averaged a triple-double. And so the question is like, are stats what should define an MVP? Is it what happens when the player's out of the game? What does he mean to that team? Is it what he means to a team in the playoffs? Um, because I, I think sometimes both in the, like a good example last year, Aaron Rodgers won it for the NFL MVP. Aaron Rodgers had a great uh, regular season. I mean, I, I guess you could make the argument that he shit the bed in the playoffs. Um, was he the, was he the MVP of the NFL last year because he had, you know, gaudy numbers. What, what do you guys think should be the definition of an MVP in sports? Well, first it should be, there should be one MVP given at the end of the year, at the end of playoffs after the, I don't understand why they give it right now. What, why are you not factoring in? Well, but but they have they have an MVP award for the you know for the championship, right? right? Fin- I mean, right. Finals MVP, Super yeah, MVP, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, well, I, here's what I think. I think that you have to have an outstanding year. Your your team has to have excelled during that year as a result of you. And then you have to look at what would your team have excelled to that level without you? And it's pretty basic. So, you know, you could have a selfish superstar who, who fills up the stat sheet and the team is terrible. That's not an MVP in my, in my opinion. And it's also why uh, sometimes I think in the last couple of years, LeBron has been off base arguing for himself when 
you know, when he's out and AD is healthy, they, they still do pretty well. Whereas when a guy like Embiid or Jokic is out or Chris Paul on the Suns, those teams are terrible without those guys. Those guys carry those teams and then those teams do well. I mean, the last two years, Giannis, as I've joked around, has gone from Greek freak to Greek yogurt in the playoffs. And yet, both 2019 and 2020, he was the NBA MVP. When a guy shrinks and becomes a shell of himself in the playoffs, does that really make him the MVP for the year? Now, I get it for the regular season, maybe he does. But, you know, Pope, let's say Luca next year averages a double double and is the scoring leader. And then, and he's on the Mavs, and the Mavs. And the Mavs don't make the playoffs. I mean, do you really want him getting the MVP, you know, when if you don't make the playoffs? But the- no, I mean, I think that factors into it, the team success for sure. Just because you have a phenomenal stat year, like Rooster was saying, doesn't correlate necessarily into, you know, MVP if you guys don't make the – if your team doesn't make the playoffs. But I, I guess, you know, call me crazy. I'm a traditionalist. I like having MVP for the regular season. I mean, that's – Everybody is eligible for MVP for the regular season, you know, and once you get into the playoffs, if that factors in, that's going to shade potentially uh, other you know, individual performances. I, I just, I don't know. I like MVP, cut it off regular season, and then we'll have MVP for the playoffs. I mean, the regular season means something, right? I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, yes, it's all playing up for the playoffs, but you know, still those performances matter for guys' careers, for their, their legacy, for what they've done. I mean, it's still something that if you like sports, right, you like the game, you want to go out and watch and see exceptional basketball or, or hockey or baseball or football, whatever it is, you know, you want to see that during the regular season and appreciate it. So you know, I don't I don't have a problem. I guess I'm with Pope on this. I think it's fine that, you know, you recognize what somebody accomplished over the the entirety of the regular season. I think the, you know, the regular season MVP rule is a pro- product of a bygone era when guys like Pistol Pete Maravich or, um, uh, you know, even Barkley played for only two teams in his, his career. Right. Or 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 the mailman played for one team in his career before trying to get a championship at the end. Those guys were MVP level superstars who stayed with one or two teams their entire career and never had a chance of postseason success um, or had limited chances for it. You know, jumping over, for example, to baseball, right? So nobody would, nobody would question that in terms of a talent, we haven't seen anything like Mike Trout in a very long time, but I think whether Mike Trout is on the Angels and healthy or whether he's not on the Angels and healthy, the team's an 80-win team that's not going to the playoffs. Right. And I believe me, I don't want to take anything away from Mike Trout because he is generational, but I mean, if we're saying also a measure is the success, should Mike Trout be the MVP year in and year out because he hits 60 home runs at 130 RBIs? Well, baseball's, baseball's a little so individualistic. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, of it's pitching. It's really hard to, to carry a team. He could hit 400 and 60 home runs and they could still win 80 games. 
Yeah, the other team just walks them, and then and the problem solved. So and they now have a second superstar, and they're still not winning, even when Trout was healthy. They are. I guess have that's three true. superstars too. It just I mean, feels weird that somebody gets an MVP, and then and they go. wilt in the playoffs, and their seat, their team is kicked out, out or whatever. And this person has gotten the MVP. Right. Uh, so no, I think that's a good point. I think well, that's that, a good point. If you're a choker in the playoffs. Right. And then you're like, well, I got the MVP for the regular yeah. season. Who cares that, about the I know the regular season is important. What matters is rings, baby. But that's so, that's a little bit of a different issue, too, though, right? I mean, you could there, yeah, there's a the most recent one. There's a gap between choking, right, or wilting in the playoffs as the MVP. And then just somebody having a better playoffs or, or somebody else catching fire, right? I mean, you, you make a good point that if you're the MVP of the regular season, then you disappear for the playoffs. That's a bad look. You could play very well in the playoffs and have somebody else beat you or have, who just has a better playoffs. It doesn't necessarily mean that you choked. I mean, I remember when Dirk was MVP and the Mavs were the first seed and they go out and they get, they get blown out uh, by Golden State, the first eight-one, you know, uh, upset in years, um, and that was you talk about ringing hot. That MVP was that was worth nothing. Uh, Dirk didn't validate himself till he got a championship, finally in two thousand eleven. So you know these MVPs can be can, can kind of be empty uh, unless you validate at some point. You know, there's yeah. another. Interesting thing that's happening too, particularly in the NFL, probably the NBA. But you know, there is—I I know these guys ultimately, to a person, are playing to win. But there, there's money that's factored in now too, for awards, for stats, for leading in certain categories. You know, look, Russ did try very hard for his team. Uh, in the playoffs, playing for the Bullets, the Wizards, whatever you want to call them. But, uh, you know, a triple-double didn't do very much, ultimately. By the way, you know, I just want to say, I know we've got a producer on this uh, podcast named Chris Nace. Could you please run back that thing about – Pope, can you just tell me what it will take to possibly have the Wizards <laughs> – Play the Sixers. What is the scenario that has that happen? Because I think our listeners need to hear that again. But anyway, I mean, Russ, you know, like he, he has those stats, but 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 what? Well, you know, I thought I heard Russ talk about, or there's a previous interview with him talking about the triple double, and I thought it was very interesting. He looked at it as saying, for him, it shows that he was active in the game that he was making things happen, that he was doing things. I mean, you make a good point that, that you know, yeah, he has all the triple doubles and they don't get out of the first round. First of all, I have new respect for that guy. I mean, everybody on the Wizards will say that his energy and competitiveness is what drove them down the stretch to get there, to get to the playoffs. I mean, nobody on that team looks at him as a, me, me, me guy. Every one of them was inspired. Except in the last minute of a game. Maybe, right. maybe. Yeah, but, like but, it could be, could be a, a, a game where one of his teammates has hit five of five three-pointers in the last five minutes. And with five seconds rock. left, Russ is like, I got this. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw one up. There's, there's the those usually don't that. go in. But, but I do think that that idea, though, of, of you know, the, the 
triple double showing that you've been contributing all around all night. That that was an interesting take on it. Yeah. Um, that you know that that kind of hit me. And you know, the last thing I'll say about this MVP argument is also I think there's a bias towards certain positions as well. Some whoever just oh, said yeah. about, oh, totally. about Jokic hasn't had it for a center. You know, the, there's such a bias towards the quarterback yeah. in the NFL. Um, you know, there have been years where I remember, you know, when Megatron was taking over games or you know, other, other wide receivers or even defensive players, some defensive players like totally were taking over games. They're never, ever going to be considered in the conversation. But if you took them out of a game, if you take certain wide receivers or defensive ends out of the game, the team melts. So there's a bias, particularly in football. On that. Trivia question. Name a defensive lineman who is MVP of the NFL. Well, Reggie White. Reggie White would be my guess. Yeah. Is this from the 1950s? Alan Page from the Vikings. Oh. Oh, Eventual Supreme Court Justice. Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did did LT get an MVP? Not Larry Taylor. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. (laughs) How did Larry Taylor not get an MVP? He should have. But, like, that's a perfect example. You take him out, you take him out, and that defense is a shell. But but what about guys too? What about the guys who are? And we were laughing about it. The teammate of the year, but but there are teams that have like glue guys, right? I mean, who are who are on the team who are never going to stuff a stat sheet. But if you take them out of the lineup or or off the bench, the team just isn't gonna isn't gonna do as well. Those guys exist too. Yeah, they I mean, do. Is that the most valuable player for a team? No, it can be right. No, no, for a team, I don't it think can so. Be, but not for a league. Well, I think leadership has to be part of it. If that's what you're saying. Yeah. Those intangibles, right? Yeah. I think what these leagues, I think what these leagues should do is they should give a weight to a certain number of votes for the regular season and then additional votes for the postseason that have a different weight and then add it and combine it that way. You know, you could, you could catch up in the, in the off season. Like let's say Embiid was second but carries his team all the way to the end, he could overcome Jokic. And nobody would dispute it. Maybe we should just do away with all these stupid awards and get rid of this whole Mimi mentality and play for rings like Milk says. Well, it's a good point. How I mean, we all talk about it, but I mean, do the now maybe there's contract incentives now and stuff yeah, but like they that. Wouldn't, but do, they would, do the players have to go care? Away. They do, do they now because it's in their contract. Oh, it definitely I, they care, and it also factors into their potential Hall of Fame selection. Uh, but they want to you know, win a MVP championship. Have. Yeah, that's a they good do. point. The Hall of Fame is a great point. They they, they want to win a championship, but these guys, I, I mean, look, it's very easy to look at, at athletes and the amount of money they make, and you know the 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 look at me generation that we have now, and and think badly of them. But most of these guys who are at the level of playing in the NBA, even the guys who are eight, nine on the bench, whatever, you know, these guys work their tails off to stay in the league, to be good at their craft. I mean, they obviously have a skill set that they come with, but they hone it, they work at it. And I think guys do want to be recognized for it. If they're at that echelon, that upper echelon of player, and they work their tails off, look, Embiid, for a guy like that, Embiid was his own worst nightmare, his own worst enemy for the last several years. He committed himself for some reason, and maybe because he got tired of 
of people saying you could be the MVP if you worked at it. And maybe that was something that motivated him. So I, I don't, I mean, I, I think you can strive for that MVP and want to win it and still want to win championships too. I don't think they're, they're mutually exclusive ideas. Yeah. I guess my point is that when, when Aaron Rodgers looks back at this last season, I suspect he looks back with disappointment. Agree with that too. Absolutely. Yep. Agree with that too. For sure. For sure. He'll be, he'll be a great Jeopardy host. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's stick with a little NBA. He never leaves Hawaii. Yeah. But you know, Pope, do you want to give us an update on, on NBA playoffs? Talking about chasing for the ring. Yeah. Big, big games tonight, guys. We'll, we'll find out big if, game. Uh, if the number one seeds in each conference are in for a dogfight, possibly six, seven game series, or do championship teams take care of business and uh, uh, go 3-1 in both leagues? Um, let's look at the East first, the Sixers. Obviously, uh, they can take care of the Hawks tonight. They'll be up 3-1. You would think they would probably take that series and get it done with in five. Um, do the Sixers have have what it takes to come back uh, like they did in game three? And, uh, uh, you know, Embiid was tough to stop. I mean, Toby can, you know, analyze that game. But um, I, I think the Sixers, if they're going to be a championship team, they don't need to mess around with the Hawks. They need to go ahead and get rid of them uh, and get ready for the finals. Um, in the West, you've got the Jazz, who are playing without Mike Conley again, the fourth straight game. Uh, and they're playing against a renewed, you know, Clippers team with Ball George and Kawhi putting their championship medal back in form. Uh, big game. I, I actually give the advantage to the Clips in this game. And yes. I think I think we might be going seven with this ga- this series. Uh, I don't know how long the Jazz can keep going without having Conley to help um, help the uh, the team take it to the finals. And then we so those are the, those are the two, one series. And then you got the bucks and the nets tied up at two, two. And, you know, these playoff series turn on a dime. And last night, you know, when Kyrie went down, uh, yeah, the bucks looked like they were in big trouble until that happened. They won game three, but that was okay. They won by three and it was a defensive struggle, but I think most people thought the Nets would take care of business, but with Kyrie down, now all they have is KD and supporting cast. Can they win with one of three superstars? Doesn't look like Harden's coming back anytime. I just checked and saw where ESPN updated that Kyrie is definitely out for game five with a high ankle sprain. MRI showed, uh, you know, he could be out for the series guys. And I think uh, I think somebody on this pod might be clapping because it looks like the Bucks might actually get through. Uh, the the what's the, the timetable for Harden's return? Has any, I haven't heard. It's not good. I mean, it's it's day to day, game to game, and and Nash is like, we we don't know. We want to bring him back too fast. Um, so you know that's a you huge wanna, game. You don't want to bring him back too slow either at this point, well, right? I, I mean, I know, I know. So. Uh, the final, you know, series in the in the final four here was the Suns just bitch slapped the Nuggets, uh, pulled the broom out, swept them away. You've got to be impressed with the Suns, probably right now the number one impressive team in the playoffs. Balanced attack, six players averaging double digits, led by Booker at twenty eight, and then CP three at sixteen. 
Uh, Aiton's averaging a double-double, and the supporting cast of Bridges, Crowder, and Payne's averaging over 10. So, you know, I think most people were surprised how easily they dispatched the Nuggets. Now, of course, the Nuggets were playing without Jamal Murray, and they have been for a long time. Finally caught up to him. The Joker, while he is an MVP, does not mean that he can carry the team on his back. And, you know, we won't get too far into the refs today, but uh, that was chicken shit what happened yesterday i don't think that he should have been ejected on a flagrant two i've got that in my virtual background uh when booker and 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 jokic went out after it after uh he slapped pain uh, i mean he barely got him and i think there was a i think pain studied the european uh, league soccer and how to how to t- take a, a flop but uh joker shouldn't have been ejected that being said i think the nuggets the, the, the Suns ball. coach Monty Williams agrees with you, right? No, the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think the playoffs are at an interesting point now. I think I think signs are looking to a Sixers Bucks final, uh, and I think obviously the Suns and you know I, it's hard to count the clips out. It really is, and I'm not sure the Jazz have have it in them to take them out in seven. They the Jazz need to take care of business tonight. That's the number one thing for them. House, I I uh, I really think you should stand down on the Greek yogurt comments for like maybe another three weeks or so. Maybe just let that let that go for a little while until you're through. Yeah, I hear you. Giannis is going to get his. He's a, he's a good player, but I got to tell you, uh, we've talked about this before. I. I've grown up enough. <laughs> there's some, there's some, when, 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 when? when? <laughs> there's some, out some text messages. So you're there, five, six, you're five, six now. What you there's, five, six. There's some Dallas cowgirls that I might've wished injury on in the past, but I, I don't really wish injury. <laughs> I don't wish injury on, on, I don't like seeing these NBA playoffs being played without, without Harden. Yeah. And without Kyrie and without Jamal Murray. Um, oh, Anthony and Davis. That was a big Anthony Davis. in the West. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This was a really exciting NBA year, and I think the playoffs have changed a lot because of it. But I, I do believe that right now there are three teams that really, based on how they've played all year and how they're playing right now, are deserving of an NBA championship. And those are the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think the Jazz are I think they've got an incredibly nice player in Donovan Mitchell. He's a superstar and a good defender in Gobert, but I just don't think they're an NBA champion. I don't think the Clippers, I think uh, Kawhi is great, but I think PG3 has been choking. And I think the Bucks are Giannis and Chris Middleton when he gets hot. But I, I just... Who? The, on, the, on the Clippers. Paul George, I said, right? Yeah, so, PG3. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Paul George. Yeah. Paul George. PG three is he lets me call him that. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, you know, the Sixers in this Hawk series, I I do think they're the better team. I think they'll be able to take care of them. I do think the Danny Green injury, it shouldn't materially change this series, but it would change the next series. He's a he's a very good shooter and a very good defender, and they would need him against a team like the Nets or the Bucks. And he's out now a few weeks with a calf injury. I don't know, guys, when we watch other sports, when I hear ankle high ankle sprain, I think we've watched enough yeah. sports to know that's oh, four yeah. to six weeks. Yeah. 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 
I don't um, know how Kyrie comes back. I think that. I no. think what's material materially changed the uh, Sixers Hawks series is the injury to DeAndre Hunter. True uh, on the Hawks. Without True. him, they cannot guard the Sixers. They just can't. They can't win. They won't win another game without him. Good point. I I think the Sixers take uh take it in five. Um, uh-huh. I I also think that um it's what we talked about several episodes ago has rung true and then but for the injuries really would be true. It's really exciting to see the the playoffs being dominated by non-perennial contenders. Um, you know, when you have the Suns, the Jazz, the Nets this far along in the playoffs, you know, that's that's great for the sport to have all these new teams in there. All and teams I, who have never won an NBA championship. Yeah. yeah. And I do yeah. think Giannis deserved the Greek Greek yogurt uh, <laughs> nickname until last game. Um, you know, for three games, to me, the story of that series was Blake Griffin playing like yes. a hard-nosed, you know, he, he looked like Oakley in the, for three games and just Told closed you. down Giannis. And then somebody got to Giannis and said, would you just drive to the damn hoop? Because nobody can stop you when you do that. And that's what happened last game and no one could stop him. And if he keeps that up, he's going to play like an MVP Giannis instead of, a, um, you know, folding in the playoffs, Greek yogurt. Giannis. Well, don't discount PJ Tucker, who's in KD's jock right now. I yeah. Mean, he is getting away with very physical play. It'll be interesting to see how they call game five in Brooklyn, but he definitely disrupted KD in the second half and prevented them from having any kind of comeback. There's a guy that when Harden went down, talk about like a guy that they got from the, you know, the paint section of, um, you know, Home Depot, this guy, Mike James, who's now playing for the Brooklyn Nets. This guy is an absolute pest. He, he is like all very, very physical player. He's a little fire plug, like all jacked up dude who was the refs for a while. They were letting a lot, you know, get away and then they started calling it. But that is a very, very physical series. And if Giannis decides to like really take it on and say like I'm not taking this crap anymore in this physical series, and he goes to the net, I you know it would I, it would be a, a mini upset because of how much talent the Nets had coming into it. Of course, injuries maybe would change it, but I think the Bucks would be a mini upset. And um, look, right now, <laughs> right now, I I'd rather play an injured Nets team than uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know than a Bucks yeah, team who's playing on all right. cylinders. But KD and with Blake Griffin playing the way he's been playing, that sh- that team should be able to to beat the Bucks. I think so. Yeah. Look, we got Milk sitting up here in the corner with a pen and paper. I think he's he's either playing hangman by himself or something. <laughs> or maybe he's taking a practice test. I don't know what's going on up there. He's watching a rerun of a race you know, game. You know, the NBA playoffs aren't the only playoffs going on right now. What's uh, what's happening in NHL, Milky? You want to talk about something you understand? Always, always answer always answer C for commercial paper. Uh, of course. <laughs> I noticed that the, that the NHL always goes last in our agenda. Is there any, any particular reason for that? I think uh-huh. that's enough. That's about enough of NHL playoff well, talk, guys. Right. <laughs> Let's move on. Get update, Milk. Yeah, Considering thanks. that the guy yeah. who leads the discussion can't even figure out the bracket. Yes, there oh, is. So, so the, the we winner bracket, of the Lightning finally? Islanders series plays the Yankees, and <laughs> Vegas Canadians plays the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. 
<laughs> we're good to go there. Uh, there's look, we're down to four coming off a bad loss for my lightning uh, yesterday uh, against um, the Islanders. And I will say this though. I think sometimes in house, you can speak to this on the first game with the Sixers against the Hawks. I think sometimes you need something like that. I, I think, look, these are the two same exact teams that played each other last year to go to the Stanley cup finals. It's this literally the, the same players. The lightning are a lot better than what you saw yesterday. Cause I know you guys watched the game. Yeah, I, I did not. I did the light and the lightning are much better on paper than the Islanders. Well, period. look, I, our coach said it best. We were, pre- they were prepared physically. They were not there mentally. And it showed I about broke my television when, and when Stamkos who had a horrific turnover, uh, House, I know I'm supposed to be apologizing. You love, you love Tim Coast. He's your favorite player, right? He, I can't stand him, and I mean it was horrible, <laughs> and it led to to Barzil's his the the uh, first goal of the game, and in the five hole, who takes yeah. up more time in in your head as far as hating Stamkos or Kiermaier? Ooh, God, that's a close one. Good, good question. Yeah, I mean, it's even probably Kiermaier though. He's yeah. he's really my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Bison, I have a question for you. Who is the best coach in the NHL right now? In the NHL? Yeah, yes. It's, it's our guy who we let walk away. Exactly. Bruce Boudreaux, right? No, 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 no. Barry Trotz. Oh, Trotz, Trotz, uh, right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, Trotz, Trotz is on the Islanders, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Trotz, that's what I, yeah. Look, it's one game. I think they come back strong tomorrow. I think they needed a wake-up call, call kick in the ass. Um, this, ga- this series is going to go far it's going to go deep it's going to go at least six or seven games probably maybe seven um but it's good hockey tune into it i mean it's this this is the first um rematch of final four teams in consecutive years in like five years yeah yeah look i mean it, it but i will say this you can't lose both at home going to new york so last no. last and they're closing down the Nassau Coliseum. So the fans are going to be going nuts. Well, this is the last year for the Nassau Coliseum after seeing, how many, how many um, games did last year's go? I, I between went the six lightning, okay. lightning one and six last year. You're right. I mean, and did you see the last game the Islanders played against the Bruins? They were going yeah. nuts there. Yep. Yep. So got to win tomorrow. Uh, the second series, Vegas and Canadians, starts tonight. Uh, Let's and, go, Habs. Hey, Montreal, Cinderella story. I'm telling yeah, you, baby. they were not supposed to be here. This is the this is the great Canadian hope uh, to bring the cup back to Canada for the first time. And I think we're coming up on 30 years. Wait, I have a question, though. How long? Wh- what is we don't know a schedule for the Stanley Cup for the finals yet, no. do we? Not yet. Just wondering if there could be a game in Vegas when oh, a certain yes. when a certain uh, trade association is meeting out there. Uh, I'd be interested to hear from Paul Miller whether Leafs <laughs> fans are rooting for the Habs. What do you that's think? That's a good question. No, I way. gotta say, yeah, I gotta say, yeah. I think not. I think not. I don't think they like each other. No. Yeah, it's got to be their worst nightmare. It's like. The Yankees, you know, they're not rooting for the Mets to win, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. sophisticated rooster now roots for the Red Sox. He's grown up. I'm getting close to being. 
Right. Oh my god. Eight and a half backs. The eight and a half backs no way to live life. The Yankees are a train wreck. Yeah. Oh god. I look, I think um I think the Canadians luck is gonna run out. Vegas is a much better team. They I think they're gonna win in five or six. And uh it's crazy, by the way. This is a I mean, they're how many years ago did did Vegas start? What is it, five or six like years? Four or five years, yeah. 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 And this could be their second Stanley Cup final. I know they didn't win, but the first one. Who'd they it's, lose to? Uh, I don't yeah. Know. All caps. caps. All, all caps. Um, Bill, so what's your prediction for the Lightning Series? <sighs> I think it's I, – I mean, I'm going Tampa, but they need to get their crap together quickly. All right, we'll see what happens tomorrow. If they lose tomorrow, it's over. So, but I think they come back. I think they come back strong. Islanders in five. It's never over in hockey. There's so many. Look, it's the same. Look, the Lightning are a really good team. A lot better than what you saw yesterday. Can we get a a barstool camera into your living room yes. with you and the kids watching these games. Yeah. I really want to watch Milk and the kids watching these games. You think the kids watch with them? Natalie doesn't want all that, does she? <laughs> I, I literally I almost broke my TV yesterday when Stamkos that ugh when he turned that ball over or turned the puck over. Ugh, it was horrible. So all right. good luck Milk. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Well, uh, Phelan, since you are such a baseball uh, fan that you root for the Yankees and the Red Sox, why don't you talk to us <laughs> about the lead story? What's going on in Major League Baseball now? Well, you know, and another blow to the pace of play that we've all been <laughs> bitching about. Here comes a here comes a new rule um, where where there's going to be like some check of pitchers uh, at the end of every inning. Um, to see if they're loaded up with spider tech or any other foreign substances, because the league is now so tired of these pitching duels where, you know, the average batting average has gone way down and fans are just checking out because there's no run scoring. Um, I, I, I think that's a, an, there's, here's their actual plan. The umps are going to check starting pitchers at least twice a game and relief pitchers at least once a game after the pitcher comes off the mound after an inning that just ended or a pitching change has been made. In other words, during commercial breaks, that's what they're looking for here. The ump is encouraged to check during the inning if he suspects the pitcher is using a substance. Um, And if found, if they check a pitcher and find some foreign substance, the automatic ejection and the pitcher's equipment, including uniform, are um, confiscated and sent immediately to some officer for testing. They're stripped uh, on the field. We're gonna well, well in the in the you know they're gonna <laughs> they be escorted the, into the clubhouse. I'm, I'm Garrett assuming. Cole's gonna be climbing through the rafters yeah, trying yeah. to go into the umpire's <laughs> locker room. Remember that somebody and, did that to get the corked back yeah, out. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then umps are allowed to check position players if they suspect, they're, but they're only allowed to check their gloves for some stupid reason. 
if there's if they suspect they're doctoring the balls for the pitcher, like you know, it'd be easier for a catcher or any of the infielders to do that. Um, the the thing that I think is is you know you what what you're going to do is you're going to empower the more obnoxious umps in the league, and you know who, who they are, right? And they're going to be out there making a spectacle of themselves and slowing the game down. It's going to be a nightmare. What they ought to do is some sort of a, a TSA style check before the pitcher enters, you know, off site, you know, like in the, in the clubhouse before the pitcher enters the game and then in between innings in the clubhouse, let's not have the umps, you know, out there, the big fat Joe West out there making a, making a scene of himself, do it off site. So that the fans don't have to see it, make it, more secure than what, what I just said the plan was because there's so many ways around that. I mean, you know, if you're just going to check the gloves of the third baseman and, and they do an around the horn and the guy just touches the back of his greasy hair, you know, there it is. Yeah. It, it's easy. It's going to be really easy to get around these rules. Um, and it's going to slow the game way, way down. In my opinion, I, I do think it needs to happen though, because these spin rates are out of control and really good hitters can't get a hit. It's like, can you imagine the keystone cops nature of this? Like, like yeah. Garrett Cole comes off the mound and, and Joe West is like spread them and patting them down. I mean, what are they going to do? Have a, like a wand out there? Like, yeah. Like wanding right. these guys to see right. what's on them or something. Like what if they all decide to start wearing cups and then like they're sticking their hands down. They're going to find a way. Yeah, They'll you're gonna cheat. You're gonna find a way to cheat. So what's so Joe that, West gonna stick his hand down there and say, "Let me see." Right. Rooster Bison, Bison Rooster. Let me ask you a question. Did something all of a sudden? Have we not been using foreign substances in baseball for as long as baseball's been around? Well, that's that's the pro- right. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is like this is this is why it's just such a mess right now is because Major League Baseball tries to put their thumb on the scale and inevitably they step on their dick instead. Right. I mean, that's what they do. They, they, it's like they juice the ball and then it, it becomes, they've created this game where 35% of the time you have either a strikeout, a walker or a home run. And then they try and unjuice the ball. And, and because the ball's been juiced, the pitchers are like for their survival, they're like, well, we better go to the Balco lab and, you know, you know, turn that over so we can create spider tech or whatever the hell they're putting on it so that they can survive in, in the league. And it's just, it's just a mess. And it's all because baseball is trying to control it and not just let the game happen. Well, that used to be that the substance was to make the ball more slippery with Gaylord Perry. Now the substance is to make the ball tackier so that, oh, you know, supposedly, so you don't lose your grip and bean the guy, but that's what the rosin is for. This is strictly for spin rate. It's not for the protection of the hitters. It's cheating. I mean, if you're going to allow this, you have to allow steroids. What's the difference? It's cheating for pitchers. Yeah. Steroids are cheating for hitters. You, you know, just make the stop. I agree with you, Bison. Stop fucking around with the ball. Come up with a old-fashioned tacky baseball stop throwing the ball out of play every time it gets a little dirt mark on it let them play you know you could have back in the old days they would play nine innings with three balls 
right? Yeah. Or unless there was a home run or something or a ball hitting the stands. Play with a nice tacky ball that the pitcher can grip and don't deaden it and let the hitters hit away. So before every game, and I think this is what still happens, but the the crew chief has to rub up 60 baseballs with mud from the Delaware River. Do you know that? That's what they use. They use mud from the Delaware what? River. They rub up all the baseballs, and that's yep. that's all they ever used uh, before to get the balls ready for the game. But a little sweat and rosin will give you a little more stick on that on your grip. That's what the rosin bag is. Yeah. It's not there for, you know, decoration. Right. I think Rooster should be the MLB commissioner. He just came up with the solution. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, round the horn, guys. Uh, a lot of stuff going on with all these playoffs, but some other things happening too. House, uh, lead us off. What do you got for us? You know, there was uh, the World Cup of Soccer is played every four years, but there's another, you know, the best soccer, I think many people will agree uh, in the world is played in Europe. And every couple of years is also the European cup of all the European teams. So right now we're in the group stage of that. And this past weekend, we had one of the scariest moments that I've seen in sports in a long time. Denmark was playing Finland and Denmark's star player is a player named Christian Eriksson. He's a young guy. And, um, it was about 41 minutes in the first half and Erickson started running from the corner of the field and it looked like he might as well have been shot. He was just running and all of a sudden just collapsed face planted down into the field. And the players knew right away it was really, really bad from both teams. And uh, the medical personnel ran over to uh, attend to him and started applying chest compressions and CPR um, and kind of really touching and heroic moment. The, the, the Danish players uh, surrounded Ericsson in a circle so that nobody could see what was going on and trying to provide privacy for the players. And um, it turns out that they, they brought him back to life with the first uh, kind of, uh, Electric defibrillator. defibrillator. Yeah, the first defibrillator hit, yep. uh, which they said is pretty pretty unusual to happen the, the very first time. But as the medical team said, he was gone. He was, he was gone. There was no life in him, and the defibrillator brought him back. They brought him to the hospital, and uh, they stabilized him. And in a really kind of, whew, it'll send chills, you know, the rest of the game, fans from a very uh, kind of, nemesis competitive uh you know nordic um rivalry between denmark and finland are the fans are taking turns saying christian ericsson you know from both teams it was pretty rousing uh finland did win the game the danish players were upset that they had to play the second half i guess you can critique whether or not anybody would have been in a mental state but just shows you, I mean, although we think these guys are like superhero athletes, they are human. And God forbid we ever see one of these things uh, where, where someone can't be revived on the field. That was a very, very scary moment being played out on a big stage. You know, there aren't a lot of people, you know, of course, it was a it was an important story. So outlets like ESPN picked it up. But 
you know, U.S. doesn't watch a lot of soccer. All of Europe is watching that game. That played out on a stage where a lot of people were watching. Very, very scary. It was a Hank Gathers moment. It was. Did they know what it, what, what it was? A cardiac arrest. Yeah, he, had a, he must have had a congenital heart problem. Yeah, I, exactly. I, re, I read somewhere, because it's, it's interesting, talking about defibrillator, I read somewhere that uh, with what he had, basically, without a defibrillator, he had probably a 7% chance of surviving. And with a defibrillator, uh, it's 70%. So, uh, was so it important. something he knew about, though? Or was it like no, he did not know about No. Well, as far as we know, he didn't. Yeah. Right. The, the, the reports are he it was undiagnosed. Yeah, oh. it was it was scary, Tubby, because you know Erickson is a former star on my Tottenham Hotspurs, and yeah, uh, when I saw that on Twitter, I immediately you know went and started following it. Um, but you know what a what a scary scary moment. Um, it was a big uh, it was a big day yesterday because uh, as I was trying to follow that, I was watching the French Open. I'm not sure if any of you guys watched the last couple sets. I was looking to see if there was anybody watching on the tech string, but what an amazing comeback by, by joke Djokovic. Um, you know, everybody loves Federer. Everybody loves, uh, Nadal. Um, and nobody likes Joker. And it was obvious he didn't have, he's playing this 22 year old Sipidus from Greece. And everybody was for the, uh, for the young upstart, um, going rooting hard against Joker, uh, and, uh, you know, he fueled, uh, obviously, off of that because he's down two sets um, and he is in major trouble. Uh, he actually was, yeah. I think, the only major winner, modern major winner, probably to lose, to be down 0-2 uh, in two matches and come back and win the championship. Uh, mm. But but you got to put it in perspective. I mean, Joker bared down and, and he won that third set. And then I, I texted, I said, you do not want to go to a fifth set against against the joker you've got to take care of him in four and he got crushed in four and then five was a lot more competitive uh never had a break point again though and you got to give it to joker he's got 19 slams now and he's got two career grand slams which neither nadal or federer have uh so you got to put him pretty high up there in all-time greats he's one back from uh the 20 that Nadal and Federer have. And, uh, you know, he's going to be favored to win the U S open and uh, Wimbledon this year. And potentially he'll be the first, I think since Rod Laver to win a calendar year grand slam. So we'll be talking a lot more about it, but what an amazing story. Uh, Roland Garros yesterday. Good stuff. That's, that's the most I want to hear about Ben's tennis for the rest of the year. Yeah. Oh my God. I'll, 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 You're going to hear more if it's a grand slam. I think I'm with you, Rooster. (laughs) Hey, can we get back to more NHL? Can we get back to Erickson for a second? You know why, Rooster? It's been 18 years since an American man won a major. That's a good point. Yeah. That ain't right. And that was Andy Roddick. Yeah, we have, uh, we don't have but one or two guys in the top 50. I mean, we talk about that sometime, how far men's tennis has come uh, American down women's you know without serena as well yeah can we, can, to say can we talk about, about erickson, erickson for a second yeah I mean, I they, they took a 90 that. minute they took a 90 minute break does anyone think that the authorities should have been the adult in the room and said that there's just no way that these guys from denmark can possibly play 
the rest of the game. Let's put it off for another day. I mean, how do you how do you ask those guys to finish that game after that? Well, how about the decision to to basically air on TV the chest compressions? I can't. I can't even watch it. Right. I mean, what? Yeah. Who made that decision too? That did that they, was very poor. Did data. they make them yeah. finish, or did they want to? Like, did the players vote? Well, the players vote. weren't even in their right mind, so who? Don't even ask the players what they think. I right. Think. The, 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 the Danish both players are crying their eyes out. The Danish players said that they were given three choices, and the least bad of the choices was com- completing the game at the time that they did. They said that there was there was never an option not to complete the game that day. They were really forced on it. They were not happy about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. All right. Um, we big big weekend coming up in golf. Anyone? Yeah. Phil's home course. <laughs> Magic times two. Phil's not making the <laughs> cut. Oh. Ooh. Oh. 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 Opinion. oh. Whoa. Wow. Oh. Wow. No way. No way he makes the cut. <laughs> you I want a I, little action on that? I mean, I don't think he cares. Wager I, don't think he, I don't think he gives two shits. I don't either. I don't oh, yeah, either. he does. Whatever. He does. And at Tory, oh, the crowd is going to be massive for him. I would just like uh, Brooks and and uh, Bryson to fight. That's about it. <laughs> yes. yes. Pope, is this a court? Pope, we all, our fans wrote in that we got a, in the email fan bag that uh, did Will Bryson DeChambeau bring Tory Pines to its knees? <laughs> <laughs> no, it does not set up as well as Augusta does. Uh, of course. So, so not well at all, man. <laughs> no, I mean, Who I is, think, who's winning, think, Pope? Uh, boy, I would have said John Rahm, except for his COVID issue. Uh, but I think he's going to be able to play. I mean, he's probably playing he's as playing? good as anyone right now. I mean, it's not a high. He'll be able to play. It was a, it was a cold. It was <laughs> yeah, you know, COVID. Yeah, come on, right? He tested. He wasn't even issue. feeling any symptoms. Yeah, I realize that, but uh, yeah, I would say Rahm. Uh, you know, DJ spit the bit yesterday. I don't think he's in right frame of mind. No. Um, I don't know. Will will, will somebody like uh, JT, uh, you know, Spieth could win easily. Corey Pines. I don't um, you see Kepka? I think he's going to win it. What about Zal? Uh, no. Oh, Zal Torres. Oh. Has he had? Has he had a meal since the last major? <laughs> <laughs> Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa is back. We'll again. have lots. Lots. Yeah, of I was going to say like Morikawa. Is. I, I like Morikawa. Uh, you can't count. Um, look, did you see Kepka's his numbers and majors are they are sick, like they're you're, unbelievable. You're coming you around, him. huh? You're coming you around, him like you? you love Stamkos. He's like your Stamkos. Stamkos, yeah. <laughs> Meyer. I will tell you this: I really, really liked Kepka's interview. Really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> like I started to come around a little bit, a little bit. I, th- right, I so- think. I think the one thing that's guaranteed is that that Bison will be competitive on Saturday in our fantasy major pool. <laughs> All of our listeners, please join It'd fantasy very, golf majors. Please join close. fantasy golf majors and watch Chris Nace be well, number two Saturday around six thirty, and then join us in the fun on Sunday. grasp around that cup and then just <laughs> spit the butt. Yeah, spit the exactly. bit off. You, all, you always, yeah. So we, always we have an update, open, right? 
So we got to wrap up here, but we, we do have an update here from our oft-mentioned Canadian uh, listener when asked <laughs> if he was rooting for Montreal. His comment was, not in your wildest dreams. To root for the Canadians. The fact that inquiring minds even needed to ask demonstrates the complete lack of understanding of this rivalry. <laughs> yeah, I can't make this up. Would Boston fans root for the Yankees? Come on, man. <laughs> You're better than that. So, wow. I think we have an answer to that one. Oh, for us, so. By the way, the uh, Vegas has John Rahm favored to uh, win the Open. Interesting. I agree. All right. One well, more. By the way, one more baseball note, because uh, I know you guys are so interested in the Rays. A big Rays-White Sox series today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Top teams in the American League oh. going head-to-head. Similar, oh, to the, similar to the Phillies-Dodgers tonight. I agree. Right. <laughs> Except Lance they're not Lynn the top teams. Glass <laughs> now on the mound. Hmm. All right, guys. We're going to finish with a tribute from Rooster. Oh, yeah, we got one more. Okay, yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, sad news in the world of NFL. Uh, Jim Fossil died a week ago at the young age of 71. Um, coached the Giants from 1997 until 2003 and took them to one Super Bowl, Super Bowl 35, which unfortunately we lost against the Ravens. Um, but in that year when the Giants were seven and four coming off a loss to the hapless Detroit lions fossil predicted that they would make the super bowl. And they did. Um, he was also the coach of the giants during nine 11 and was really instrumental in setting up a foundation, uh, to support the firefighters. He's a beloved figure in New York. And like I was saying off, off uh, air earlier, He's an easy coach to forget. Um, you know, you, you remember you remember the tuna because he was so outrageous and outsized. But Jim Fossil was a gentleman. He was a, he was a really kind and decent guy and a good coach. Um, uh, he, he, he was beloved by the team. Uh, Michael Strahan gave a very, very moving um, speech about him on air on his show as did Tiki Barber. And those are two opinionated guys. They, they really are not prone, especially Tiki, to blow smoke. And they both loved this guy. They just really respected him. So um, he took the Giants to three playoff berths. He was the NFL coach of the year, his rookie year as a coach, as a head coach in 1997. Um, just pour one out for, for Jim Fossil. Good guy. His son's coaching in the league now. Here's to you, Jim. I went out. Well said, Rooster. All right, guys. All right, guys. Well, on that on that note, lots of uh, lots of big sporting events coming down the pike this week. week. So have fun watching. Check it out. Go Sixers next week. We'll get unbreakable records eventually. Yeah, at some point. Unbreakable's coming back. Come back. See you. Sixers.